The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. to get into the the word this morning. Uh, I want to move quickly through the word and then I've got to tell you in real time if I look like I'm maybe a little scattered or maybe I'm I'm in another place. I'm not. I'm here with you but my wheels are turning because I want to be careful this morning. Careful to do stuff in in a way that is is appropriate and right. Uh, I have a stirring in my heart to share things with you but I want to make sure that that it's shared correctly, that it's shared appropriately. Uh, If it were not shared appropriately or correctly, it could be destructive. And so uh, I'm going to move with with some caution this morning, and that may make me uh, uh, come off a little bit uh, stiff. Not my usual hilarious, awesome, handsome self. That was your time to like amen and, and cheer. I was really about to feel really good about myself. And yeah. All right. Well, I want to get into the word. So here's a few things we're going to find. We're going to move quickly through the word. There's a few things that we're going to find in the scripture. I encourage writing some things down, taking some notes. Uh, I I want to encourage that so that you can go back and visit these things. Uh, One of the things you're going to find is what's needed for Christianity. Excuse me. What's needed for Christianity? There's something that's necessary in in the believer's life. It's foundational, and it's foundational in in the sense that it's revealed in the word as such, and we're going to see what, what that is. And uh, it'll help us to understand, to value, and to pursue that, see to it that it exists in our life. Another thing we're going to find is why you are chosen. You may know that, you may not know that. Uh, Whether you know it or not, it's true. Jesus said himself that he chose you. We'll see that in the scripture as we set that up. But why you are chosen. And then there's, there's something, a third thing we're going to find, and it's what we need to be doing. What we need to be doing. And my goal today, my hope today, is to equip us to do it and to do it well. To do it in a way in which it's fruitful and productive. What we need to be doing. Uh, so what's needed for Christianity, I want to get there quickly. If you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. 2 Peter chapter 1, I want to begin reading in verse 2. <clears throat> We're going to do just a little bit of reading, several verses here to get to a certain part, to find out what's needed for Christianity. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Verse 2 begins like this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, seeing that His divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His glory and excellence. I want to pause there for a second. So what, what's opening up here? This is an opening that's filled with, with thanksgiving and worship. I mean, it's, it's an awareness that, that God's good and he's done great things. There's a blessing attached to it. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. And then this statement, seeing that God's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. He's given us everything that we need to live the life that he's called us to and the godliness that he's called us to live our lives according to. It goes on to say he's called us to his own glory and excellence. By these he's granted to us precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers in the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, I want to focus on that for a second. Not too long because I want to move quickly. But there's a lot being said there. It says that God's given us these things for a purpose. So that we can participate or partake in his nature. So that we can be less the dirtbags we once were and more like Jesus. God's doing this great work in us and he's doing this through promises, through this impartation, through this this gift that he's given us. And now we begin to see these things that he's given us in verse 5. It says, now for this reason, apply with diligence in your faith the following. Supply moral excellence. And in moral excellence, knowledge. And in knowledge, self-control. And in self-control, perseverance. And perseverance, uh, godliness or reverence. And then in reverence, brotherly kindness. And in brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, you will always be fruitful and you will always walk in the true knowledge of our Lord 
Jesus Christ. It goes on to speak of the one that is lacking those things. It says, For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from former sins. Therefore be diligent and make certain that these things are in you. The calling and the choosing, as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Because it's in these things that has found the way or the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it will be abundantly supplied to you. I got to take a breath. It's a lot to read, but there's a lot of wonderful things there. Now, here's what's amazing to me. As we're being called to be like God, as we're being made godly as believers, as Christians, as we're leaving all of the things that make us horrible or jerkish in our behaviors, our selfishness, and we're being drawn into being just like Jesus, the first thing on this list of qualities that God's bringing into our lives is moral excellence. I mean, you saw it there when we were there at 1 Peter chapter 1. You'll see it there in verse 5. Moral excellence. I want to emphasize that today. I mean, if you're taking notes, you can write down moral excellence. Circle it. Underline it. Put a star by it. Moral excellence. I want to offer this to you. If it's the first thing that God brings into our lives as he's bringing us into his nature, should that mean something to us? I mean, there's kind of a a, a theory in my mind, a, a hypothesis, so to speak, of the value of firsts. The things that come first, just generally by definition, are a priority. I mean, most of the time, the things that come first come first for a reason. You wouldn't watch home construction. You wouldn't see them frame a house and then go in and pour a foundation. They would pour the foundation first because it's necessary for everything else to exist. So when we see what God's doing first, I want us to take that mentality. There's a reason why this comes first. Is it possible that this is foundational? Is it possible that everything else that God's doing in my life as a Christian is standing upon the moral excellence that God brings into my life through Jesus? And if those things are, then we ought to prioritize moral excellence as the necessity that it is, as the priority that God's called it to be, as the foundational element of our faith. It's the reason why our King, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Redeemer, excuse me, our Messiah is sinless, is holy. He is the embodiment of moral excellence. Moral excellence. I mentioned to you before that we were going to find out uh, why we were chosen. I want to offer this to you. John chapter 15 verse 16 identifies first and foremost that you're chosen in the first place. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you so that you would go out and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give to you. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to be chosen. We, we say something at my house, what you choose is what you love. And that there's, there's an element of truth in that. Choice isn't a, an obligation, rather There was the weighing out of options, and the decision was made based on preference. When Jesus says, I chose you, he's identifying a preference for you. It's relieving, it's it's affirming, it adds value to your life to know and understand that you didn't sign up for Jesus, rather he chose you. He sees you, he values you, and he prefers you. He chooses you. And then he goes on to say something as you get closer to verse 19, and I want us to pay close attention to that. What happens when we're chosen of God? You have your Bibles there. Go ahead and take a look. Just a few verses down. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you. Do you see that word, chose? Because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. It's an interesting thing to be chosen by God. And I think it's an amazing thing that Jesus speaks this. I don't think that he says that and then goes back and looks and thinks, wow, you know, that kind of worked out. You know, looking back, that made a lot of sense. But rather, it's being spoken intentionally from the beginning. Every one of those words selected. 
identifying that this choosing us out of the world means we were once in the world. A part of the culture, Jesus would select us out of that. When Jesus chooses us, just the word out means there is a removal, a separation. When we're chosen by Jesus, there's a separation from the things of the world and an introduction into things of God's kingdom. And it's because of this choosing, because of this identity, because of this work that's going on in our lives, this introduction of moral excellence and all the things that are built upon it, the world that lacks moral excellence hates us. I want to talk to you more about being chosen. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 speaks of being chosen. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And then it goes on to say this, so that. So did you hear the word so that? So that now identifies the purpose behind this choosing. You're chosen so that, so that you can do the following. You've been chosen so that you may proclaim the excellencies or the moral excellence of God who has called you out of darkness and into his light. If you ever wanted to know why you were chosen, that's it right there. I was chosen by God to be pulled out of darkness and into light so that I could reveal to everyone God's morality. So that my words could reveal God's morality. So that my actions could reveal God's morality. So that my ideas and my thoughts could reveal God's morality or his moral excellence. And then the question, what do we need to be doing? I told you we would move quickly. The three things that we were looking for, what's needed in Christianity, moral excellence. Why we were chosen to reveal moral excellence. And now what we need to be doing. I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I want to look at verses 11 through 14. Ephesians 5, 11 through 14. When you find your way to Ephesians 5, you'll find in verse 11, it reads like this. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it's disgraceful to even speak of the things which are done in secret. But all things become visible when they're exposed by light. For everything that becomes visible then becomes or is light. Now verse 14. For this reason, it says, awake sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. We have a work being done by God in our lives. A work where he is introducing his moral excellence into our lives through Jesus. He's bringing it in full measure into our lives through Jesus. We've been chosen to... Be an example of his moral excellence with all of our words and all of our actions. We've been equipped to fulfill this calling to not only resist or not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather even to expose them. And that's really why I want to talk this morning about something. Something that's deeply concerning to me. I think it's safe to say that it's even frustrating to me. I don't want it to be seen as hateful. I don't want it to be seen as militant. But rather, I want it to be seen as an act of moral excellence. The pursuit of exposing the things that need to be exposed. Shining the light on things that are done in secret. The things that are wicked and in darkness. I want to take a moment this morning, and I want to ask you to bear with me. I want to ask that no matter what I say, nobody gets up and walks out. Are you getting nervous yet? I want to talk to you about Black Lives Matter. I want to talk about this, and I want to talk about this 
in a way that is, is revealing truth. I, I want to use their material, not, not my material, not my opinion. I want to use their, their statements. I'm, I'm deeply concerned when I look at our culture, when I look at what's going on, at what I see happening. I want to offer this to you. Uh, the, the, the idea of Black Lives Matter has a 68% approval rating in our country. 68% approval rating in our country. That means when they polled the country, nearly 70% of all Americans came and said, I support Black Lives Matter. That's a large number. That's larger than, than any political party. It's larger than the Republican Party. It's larger than the Democrat Party. It's, it's larger than our current president's approval rate. It's, it's, it's the largest approval rating of, of any political effort going on right now. It's nearly 70% approval rating. And even now, you know, where, where some people are meeting in churches, some people still meeting online, on churches and cathedrals and buildings of, of religious purpose across America, there are banners being hung on outside walls. We support Black Lives Matter. You'll see it all over the place. I want to talk to you about what Black Lives Matter is. When you know what it is, then and only then could you make an educated decision in whether or not to support it. I want to make this very clear. It's very easy for someone to say, I'm not a racist. In fact, that's probably what I would expect a racist to say. But let me tell you something. I spent years pastoring a black church in Oklahoma. When I'm not in Abilene, Texas, I'm in Africa helping to liberate, liberate, excuse me, black lives that matter a great deal to me. I would hope that someone could search and examine my life and see a void of racism of any kind in my vocabulary, in my actions, in my ideals. I do not value life based on the color of skin. In fact, I was horrified to hear of people being... Uh, uh, persecuted for making statements like all lives matter because I don't think you could make a more true statement. So as we talk about Black Lives Matter, let's start at the foundation. I want to tell you about their founders. Now, all of the information that I'm about to give you comes from the Black Lives Matter website. You can visit it. You can read it yourself. You should. If you have not, I'm encouraging you to, because it is taking over this country, 70% approval rating for an organization that has ambitions to form a political party. The founders, there are three co-founders, and I am simply identifying information from the website. I'm not giving you my opinion on the person. I haven't met these people. The, the founders, the, the co-founders, one, Patrice Kahn Cullors. I think that's how you say it, C-U-L-L-O-R-S. She is the co-founder and the strategic advisor. She's the only one that has a title next to her name other than co-founder. The strategic advisor, meaning that she is advising the group in how they need to move. She is developing the strategy that they are executing. She is the strategic advisor. She is also a confessed Marxist. I want to play something for you, and I hope that this works. I'm not playing that one. Hold that one. The reason for this is because I want you to understand that this is not the opinions of, excuse me, a white pastor in Texas. But these are the statements made by the person himself. Now, here's what's going on. This is an interview uh, Miss Colors is being interviewed by a black man who's talking to her about Black Lives Matter and an upcoming event. And he himself, in a very polite, in a very cordial way, is expressing that he has concerns with, with the vague nature of the organization's ideology. He, he says there are things that obviously I'm in favor of, but we really don't know what your end game is, and, and, and the way he presents this is so soft and so uh, uh, caring. You'll listen to the word that he uses. You'll understand what I mean when you hear it. 
He's in no way trying to push an agenda of his own. He literally just wants to know what does Black Lives Matter stand for? Concern that uh, that there's a lack of perhaps uh, uh, ideological direction in Black Lives Matter that would allow it to be to 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 fizzle out, and as he said, um, uh, in comparison to Occupy Wall Street. Uh, as you are are advanced in your own organization, as you all are headed to Cleveland to participate in this Black Lives um, Movement conference. How do you respond to that particular critique? Again, a loving critique from an elder of the struggle uh, that some others share, uh, that I've even shared as well, to to be frank, as a concern about, uh, in part because of the co-optation and and the appropriation, that that a a more clear ideological um, structuring might be of some value here. But how do you respond to to those kinds of, uh, again, loving criticisms? Um, I think that the criticism is helpful. Um, I also think that it might, um, I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, Myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, We uh, are trained Marxists. Um, We are uh, super... uh, Myself and our trained organizers do have an ideological framework. We are trained Marxists. Out of her own mouth, the founder. Alicia Garcia, a co-founder. I want to apologize for something, and, and if there is any frustration with this, I want to give you this option. If at any point any of the content becomes something you're uncomfortable with with your children in here, I will not go into gross detail, but I will use words that they would probably hear any day on the news. You're, if you need to excuse yourself, I will understand. If you think it's inappropriate, you can raise your hand, and I will happily adjust. Alicia Garcia, co-founder. If you read her bio, you will see that as a queer or bisexual black woman, her focus is to include all LGBTQ in all the agendas of Black Lives Matter. And in doing so, this is a line from the page, focuses on combating anti-black, state-sanctioned violence that oppresses all black people. State-sanctioned, meaning that the government is intentionally targeting black people to be violent toward them. I want to show you this quickly. I'm I'm talking about the founders, but you can see in these two sheets of paper, you see the yellow highlighted? The yellow highlighted include LGBTQ content, homosexual agenda content. There's more of that content in here than there is anything about color of skin. All you have to do is go to the Black Lives Matter website, click on about and read away. Opal Tometi, she is a Nigerian woman, uh, or an American, born of Nigerian parents, uh, an outspoken feminist, one of the three co-founders, and a believer in or student of applying liberation theology. Liberation theology, by definition, liberation theology. Liberation theology is, is a synthesis of Christian theology and socioeconomic analysis based on far-left politics, particularly Marxism. When we look at Black Lives Matter, we don't even have to get past the bios on the founders page to see what is being promoted today in the United States of America. Can you believe, as you sit right here right now, that nearly 70% of Americans are in favor of a political movement That's Marxist? I want to ask you this. Do you believe those 70% who are saying I'm in favor even know that it's a Marxist movement? That should concern us. It should concern us that we're flying blind. It should concern us that we're being duped. It should concern us. There's no call to action here other than the call to be rightly informed. Open a web page. Read about us. 
Find out who they are before you say, I agree with them. All of these churches who are hanging banners on their building, we support Black Lives Matter, are saying they support a Marxist revolution, a pro-LGBTQ revolution in our country that's going to strip away all capitalism and lead us with a socialist nation. It's, it's unbelievable to me what's going on. And I think that it's time to, to wake up. I want to read a few things here from the About page. I'm just going to take a few sections here. Some of them are, are going to stand out as, as repetitive, and they might even seem a little monotonous to you, but I think they're just worth noting. Rather than reading the whole thing, I'll just read a few highlighted things. And I'm not taking anything out of context. Again, I encourage you, go. they're not hiding this. This is on the World Wide Web. So on the, the first uh, paragraph of the About page, you'll see that they're looking... Uh, to, to accomplish their goals by combating and countering acts of violence. Combating and countering acts of violence. Their statement is definitely pro-violence in response to anything they disagree with. I mean, you don't word it that way if you're nonviolent. I don't think Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. ever said that, hey, we're going, I have a dream. And my dream is that we are going to combat and counter the acts of violence that are waged against us in this country. Rather, his peaceful protest led to the greatest breakthroughs in social justice that this nation's ever seen. I should say that it's seen since the emancipation. You go on and to, to read in the next paragraph, we are expansive is the title of the next paragraph. The closing line in that paragraph, we must ensure we are building a movement that brings us to the front. So here's what's interesting about that to me. And I mean, some could say, oh, you're splitting hairs or, oh, you're so legalistic. That doesn't sound like equality. When you want to be in the front, you don't want to be equal. You want to be in charge. All of your push of equality is out the window when you tell me that you want to be in the front. The next line, the next paragraph in there, we affirm the lives of. Now, I want you to hear this. I want to read this entire sentence, okay? I'm going to read the sentence and then I want to make a comment. We affirm the lives of black, queer, and trans folks, disabled folks, undocumented folks or immigrants, folks with records, women, and all black lives along the gender spectrum. They didn't say anything about just normal heterosexual black people at all. That sentence is over. There's a period at the end of that sentence. The only thing that would include just normal heterosexual black men and women would be them being included in across the spectrum. They're now the fringe. They're the ones that are kind of like, well, we got these people left over over here. We'll throw them in, you know, the spectrum. We are working for a world where black lives are no longer systematically targeted for demise. Their belief is founded that there is a government that is trying to kill them and intentionally trying to destroy their lives. I don't think there could be a greater lie told. There's no doubt that the things that go on in our country are filled with, with, with some things are, are wonderful victories, some things are horrible tragedy. Does racism exist? I'm sure that it does. I've seen racism before. I don't like it. I renounce it. It's unbiblical. In fact, God makes no ifs, ands, or buts. It has no place in the life of a Christian, ever. The things that we've seen on television, the things that are being broadcast, those things are horrible. George Floyd should be alive today. There's no doubt about that, and I want to make that very clear. But to take that and say that there is a system in place to target for the demise people of color, I think is a lie. A lie that's coming to make, an, to, to make the most of an opportune time a crisis to push an agenda, and that agenda is Marxism. They go on to, to use words like resilience in the face of deadly oppression and other things, furthering that narrative. On the about page, they say this. We, again, we here is Black Lives Matter. We are self-reflexive and do the work required to dismantle size gender privilege and uplift black trans people, especially black trans women who continue to be disproportionately impacted by 
uh, the trans antagonistic violence. I want to pause there for a second because there's a word there that, I mean, listen, I'm I'm not the most well-read guy, but size gender or cisgender, it's C-I-S, you you say it S-I-S, cisgender. Have you heard this word? So it wasn't just me. Okay. Because I, I had to Google it and I thought, oh my God, what's about to come up when I Google cisgender, you know? And don't Google it, just take my word for it. You want to know what it means? It means people who associate their gender with what they were born with. In other words, just normal people. I mean, it's the opposite of transgender by definition. So here's what they're saying here. Now that you know what cisgender means, they're saying uh, we're self-reflexive and we're doing the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege because you associate yourself with your, the, what you were born with. And again, I'm trying to just, we've got kids in the room. Because you associate your gender with what you were born with, uh, you have a privilege in this world. And we're going to dismantle that privilege. We exist to dismantle that. that. We support Black Lives Matter banners on churches all across America today. And as far as I'm concerned, and Jesus wept. I mean, this is insane. They go on to include uh, uh, things about tearing down sexism and misogyny in, in the effort to produce uh, where, where women can be comfortable in operating. A lot of those things are difficult to read because I'm in favor of all of those things. I am not in favor of a feminist movement. Again, because it's about being out in front. Equality is one thing, but being in front is another. And then this one stood out to me, and I wanted to, to read it to you, and it, 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 it probably is, is, is not the, the most concerning thing written on here, but it's just the statement, we practice empathy. And I couldn't help but picture bricks going through windows and buildings being burned. I mean, people being forced out of their their neighborhoods and places of work because their neighborhoods are taken over. We practice empathy. They do use a word here that I think you ought to make a note of. And, And again, I could be accused of splitting hairs, and that's okay. I'm not trying to, but we encourage comrades. What a funny word to use, comrades. With the intent to learn about and connect with their contexts. Another part of their about page, and I want you to really dial in. If you're starting to get sleepy, you're thinking, okay, pastor, we get it. Dial in for this. You need to hear this. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure by supporting each other as extended families and, they put it in quotes, villages to collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers or parents of those children are comfortable. You know what that means? We want to brainwash your kids. We want to disrupt the nuclear family that has a dad, that has a mom, that has kids that gather around the table, that sit and communicate and are raised in the way in which God has designed the family to be raised. We want to disrupt that. I can give you a number of reasons why they want to disrupt that. For one thing, in certain communities, it's already disrupted. But it's not disrupted by any government or systemic force. It's disrupted by a a challenge or an issue of morality. It's disrupted by a a lack of direction and counsel. It's disrupted for a number of reasons that could easily be ministered to by Jesus, not by bricks and arson. We disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure. That's on their About Us page. And right now, banners are flying on the sides of churches. We support Black Lives Matter. Listen, anything I've said in this could be taken out of context, and there could be a headline tomorrow, Racist Texas Pastor Has Church Burned to the Ground. I made sure our insurance was paid before I'm sharing this today. I don't support Black Lives Matter. I love black people. I would lay down my life for black people. Any person of color. Any person at all. I do stand by the statement, all lives matter. So after disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family, the next paragraph on on, on the about page, we foster a queer-affirming network. 
When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of uh, uh, hetero, excuse me, oh, oh, heteronormative, heteronormative. They've made being a normal person now sound like a disease. Hey, doctor, you got a prescription? He's got a bad case of heteronormative. Got a cream for that? We foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that, that the world are, are how they were born, unless he or she disclose otherwise. The last line in their about page, and I understand there have been peaceful pro protests, and, and really and truly, your right to protest in a way that is, is law-abiding is, is as important to me as any other right that we have as, as American citizens. But listen to the last line in their about, about page. And then I want you, I'm going to say it, you're probably going to chuckle at some of the irony, but then I want to point something out. Because this last line, this last line is, is actually got an element of truth to it that you have to look for. Okay? We embody and practice justice, liberation, and peace in our engagements with one another. I mean, if you're like me, the first time you read that, you picture Wendy's burning to the ground. I like Wendy's, man. I mean, come on. But you got all this stuff going on, all this, and, and, and they, you know, whether that's Black Lives Matter, whether that's not them, that's not up for debate. What I do see here, and I think, you know what, that's sneaky. We embody and practice justice, liberation, peace in our engagements with one another. With one another. Among ourselves. But if you stand against us, we will put you in the ground. If you say all lives matter, you're fired. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't believe I got emails from, from places I've shopped at before. I got an email from Sam saying, we're donating $50 million to Black Lives Matter. It's like, why'd you email me? Oh, we just, we just need you to know that we're doing this. Church is putting banners on there, but we support Black Lives Matter. Huh? That's not what they are operating in, in, in such a, a forceful way. You agree with us, you're in. You disagree with us, you're out. It's the ultimate ultimatum. And people have rushed to kiss the ring, and they've been so concerned about kissing the ring, they haven't even looked to see what hand that ring is on. And that ring is on the hand of Karl Marx. Black Lives Matter, from their own webpage, Black Lives Matter is an ideological and political intervention in a world where black lives are systematically and intentionally targeted for demise. That's a sentence from their website. Black Lives Matter is an ideology, an ideolo excuse me, ideological and political intervention. It means they have an ideology and it means they have a political agenda. They have an ideology. What is that? It's Marxism. They have a political agenda. What is that? To overthrow the United States of America. Black Lives Matter is an ideological and political intervention in a world where black lives are systematically and intentionally targeted for demise. I, wanna, I want to, to play something for you. Do you have it in you to, to hear something? I mean, there's about nine minutes of, of recordings and maybe a minute of comments in between them. I think it's worth listening to. Now, it comes from an individual who is a former Soviet agent, a, a, a guy who went by the name Thomas David Schumann for a number of years. Thomas David Schumann is not his real name. Thomas David Schumann uh, was a Soviet journalist, which means he, it was for the, the state-run media, pushing the state's propaganda, and he was sent places. He was sent to places to push Marxism, the, 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 polit the politics of, of Lenin and, the, and communism, socialism. He was sent to India where he worked in journalism. Now, here is, here is how he worked in journalism, and I want you to ask yourself, does that sound familiar? He went and he worked in journalism in India. He identified those in power who would sympathize with Marxism, 
and he began to promote them to no end. He also identified those who were in positions of power or business owners or politics who did not identify but rather rejected Marxism and he used the media to smear them and destroy them. Does that sound familiar? It's going on right here in the United States of America. If you think we've got a free press, think again. When all of your major news outlets are owned by corporations that all have political agendas, we don't have a free press, we just have more than one channel. And you can flip to any one of those more than one channels and hear the same news. So as uh, Thomas David Schumann, his, his real name is Alexandrovich Bezmanov. So I'm going to call him Alex because my mouth can only do so many syllables at once and then it just kind of falls open. Alex gets to India and he's doing his work. He's working in the media. He's promoting those who are for Marxism. He's smearing those who aren't. But something happens while he's in India. He falls in love with the free market system. He sees the benefits of capitalism, and so he defects. He leaves the Soviet Union. He defects, and he goes to Canada. I've got some recordings here from an interview with him talking about the work that the Soviet Union was doing to spread Marxism, specifically in the United States. It's called ideological subversion. Ideological, the ideas that are your foundation. I mean, the ideas that make up who we are as, as uh, Americans can be found in our, our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. These are the things that make us up. Then the word subversion. Again, I'm telling you, guys, the best book we can have in our house sometimes is a dictionary. Subversion, by definition. Subversion is the undermining or detachment of loyalties, of a, of a specific political or social group. And the one that's coming in to undermine then pushes their own. So if you read the definition, it would read like this. Subversion is the undermining or detachment of a loyalty of a significant political or social group within the victimized state in the transference of their ideal conditions to the symbols and the institutions of the aggressor. Okay. If you didn't catch that, you know, get the recording. But what it basically is saying is getting someone to change their beliefs from their current beliefs to your beliefs. Ideological subversion. Getting someone's ideals to be transferred. He talks about the plan for this, and I, I want you to hear it. Uh, we're going to listen to it in a couple of different segments and make a couple. Can you play the first one? Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that... Uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean? Ideological subversion is a slow process, active measures, in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Yeah, it, it's going to try to play the same track over. So he's talking about this thing as being this great brainwashing. He talks about this being in generations in the universities. This all the, it takes about 15 years to, to actually implement this thing. And you begin to see over years people slowly, slowly move away. Now he mentions that it comes in, in steps. I want you to pay very close attention to what the first step is. I want you to remember the, the mini message that was preached. I mean, what's foundational in our walking in the divine nature? Moral excellence. Go ahead and play the second one. Step one. Pause it. Go ahead and pause it. So you can't hear the word there because of his accent, because of where the recording picks up. I want to make it clear that he's going to play it again. That's step one, demoralization. A 15-year process to slowly erode the morality of a people group. Go ahead and play. Step one. Demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? 
because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind, even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black. You still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid of society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. Yeah, okay. Did you catch that? I know it's tough to kind of catch. Demoralization, a, a process, a brainwashing happening in the education system. Once it's there, it's there. It, it's impossible. To, you can present facts. You can present all these things. doesn't matter. Do you know right now with, with things like statements like uh, systematically targeting black people for demise, you can present a, a, a plethora of actual facts, arrest facts, police facts, reports, concerning demographics, concerning uh, death rate, concerning injury rate, resisting rate, all of these things. You can look, there are more white people killed by police than black people, that's a fact. You can find these statistics, but to present these to Black Lives Matter or anyone that has bought into that ideology, doesn't matter. You can show me the facts, doesn't matter. Don't care about the facts. Okay, go ahead and play the next one. The psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously they will join the links of dissenters, dissidents. Unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. You can get popular for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This no they don't understand, and uh, it will be the greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. Then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically America is stuck with, with demoralization and unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, no, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. Okay, <clears throat> did you feel like you caught what he said there? First of all, is this helpful? I hope that you. I hope that it is. I hope that you're not thinking, man, this guy's lost his marbles. The demoralization process in America is pretty much complete. 
He says, we basically did it to ourselves because of a lack of moral standards. And when you go back from the 60s to today, you see this erosion of morality. Uh, the other day I sat and I, I was, we were closing out the day, my wife and I were scrolling through the television to see if there's something, you want to unwind and watch something. I found a program, it was rated TV 14, and I told my wife, hey, the 14-year-old kids can watch that, it's got to be okay. TV 14 is not okay. They should make it TV 114. I don't think you could be old enough to watch that. It was bad. The morality, the, the morality that is, is eroded, the, or the, the lack of morals that exist in America today have opened the door for this to take place. Remember, this is on purpose. It's intentional. This is that, that ideological subversion. It starts with the erosion of morality, and then you go into the next steps. I want you to hear what the next steps are. I don't think anyone here, if I were to ask, hey, do you think America's morality has eroded over the years? I don't think anyone here would disagree with that. I think everyone here would say, yes, it has. So now let's see what the second step is. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation. This time, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, defense and economy, uh, the influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. Six weeks. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not, create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. The situation is not under control. The situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in a state of war undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. So as you listen to that, you've got the first being demoralization. The moral erosion of America has made a way for the second to come, the destabilization. Uh, I, I, I've never seen less stable times in my life. I mean, really and truly, I, I don't, I, I, this is, is unprecedented. Destabilization. He mentioned something there that during the, the, the moral, uh, the demoralization, your opinions matter. I mean, for, for decades now, there's been a series of different opinions and, and different views and different parties. Now, with the destabilization, opinions don't matter. And right now, opinions don't matter. I mean, just go on social media and post all lives matter and see if your opinion matters. You can see the destabilization has is, is happened. It's, it's, we're living in that. We're now all of a sudden, it's the pushing of one view, one opinion. That Marxism is now being pushed. It's being pumped through the media, pumped through the universities. It'll even be pumped through every church that wants to hang that banner outside saying, we support Black Lives Matter. Then crisis. Crisis comes, crisis opening the door for everything to be relinquished, every freedom to be let go of, crisis being capitalized on for that next phase, that next phase being normalization. Crisis, we're in a crisis right now where our history is being torn down. 
Statues of George Washington, statues of Ulysses S. Grant, statues of all kinds of, of figures that are foundational to this country. Whether you agree with every aspect of their life or not, there is no America without those men. And that's now going to be the normalization. Everything he's talking about is happening. Whether you could apply it at different points in history or whether you can apply it at points in the future is irrelevant to me. The, the, the point that I'm trying to make is it most definitely does apply to the days we live in right now. We've had the demoralization. We've had the, the, the instability, the crisis, and now we're seeing the normalization. The normalization is you can't say that anymore. You can't go there anymore. You can't uh, have that view anymore. We can't celebrate that history anymore. A new normal is being introduced. I want to play uh, these last clips for you. Go ahead. What, what actually happens now that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second the disaster is coming closer and closer. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. Okay, so what do we do? What is your recommendation to the American people? Well, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is, of course, there must be a very strong national effort to educate people in the spirit of real patriotism, number one. Number two, to explain them the real danger of socialist, communist, whatever, welfare state big brother government. If people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development, nothing ever can help the United States. You may kiss goodbye to your freedom, all this freedom will vanish, evaporating in five seconds, including your precious lives. At least part of the United States population is convinced that the danger is real. They have to force their government. And I'm not talking about sending letters, signing petitions, and all this beautiful, noble activity. I'm talking about forcing United States government to stop aiding communism from destroying what is, whatever is left of the free world. Two, two very simplistic answers for solutions, but never, nevertheless, they are the only solutions. Educate yourself, understand what's going on around you. You are not living at the time of peace. You are in a state of war. I know it sounds unpleasant. I know Americans don't like to listen to things which are unpleasant. It's a question of survival of this system. And you have precious little time to save yourself. I want to I end the... That was the last one, right? I want to end with that. Uh, I want to offer this to you, in, in, and I want to tell you why I think this is appropriate to share from this platform. Uh, I think that as, as Christians, we have an obligation. We're meant to be light in the world, the light. We carry the spirit of truth. There's an attempt to bring deception across an entire nation. If you were to tell me that, that a poll went out asking Americans if they wanted to give up uh, all of their freedoms and adopt Marxism as, as a, a national political ideology, I do not think you would get 70% approval. But they've packaged it in Black Lives Matter. And they are pushing it. And they are pushing it. And they are pushing it. Now past the point of, of the disturbance or the disruption or the destabilization where now if you even have an opinion against it, you will be bulldozed, you will be fired, you will be humiliated, you will be called a racist, you will be shamed, you will be put out of business. And the crisis, I mean, I, I think some think, well, we've seen crisis, we've seen, well, we've, we've seen the destabilization. If you want to ask me personally, like, hey, Pastor Preston, you know, how's that burger? Oh, it's good. Hey, what do you think about the crisis? I'm talking casual conversation here. I'm not making some prophetic prediction, but watch for crisis in November around the election. And then normalization, these things that are going on, these changes, these radical changes, they don't go back. I mean, you heard this guy as he was testifying. He said, as our tanks rolled into our neighboring nations, uh, we, we let them know, hey, we're, we're buddies, we're friends. It, the tanks never left. The things that happen that are conceded during that normalization process never go back. 
I, I wanted to share this with you because there's things that I, I, I see, I see clearly, I agree with. There's other things that I think that we see beyond. It's not that we see it differently, it's that we see something else too. I see Jesus. When he talks about a people group who cannot, it's, they're too far gone, that demoralization is irreversible or irreversible, however he said it. My Russian is terrible. I sound like, like a sick vampire. Irreversible, eh? But that's where we do carry something that, that the KGB doesn't carry. We have Jesus. We can pray. We can intercede. We can ask God for the biggest revival that's ever hit this nation. That there could be a remoralization and not a demoralization of a people group. That's the reason for sharing this. Not just to say, hey guys, stock up on ammo because it's about to be on but to say, hey, we've got a call, a purpose. One, to be awake. Remember that last passage of Scripture? For this reason it's written, awake, O sleeper. Wake up. There's something taking over our country. 70% approval rating, and we haven't even read their website. Find out who these people are, what they're doing, why they're doing it, before you get on board with it. Let's be smart. And let's be aware, above all else, of our calling, our anointing, and our gifting to bring the solution to this world's problems. To pray, to intercede, to ask God for direction and counsel that our actions, that our activities individually and collectively as a church could bring about a remoralization to this country and close the door to that which wants to take away our freedom. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for us. I've led a lot of church services, and I can tell you this one's going to stand out in my memory as being just a little bit different. And I hope that you've been okay with that. I hope that nobody heard an ounce of hate or racism. I hope that what you heard was truth. I want to encourage you to go and, and confirm it. Verify it. Go to the website. Read it for yourself. See if it comes off the page with the same uh, urgency that it comes off the page when I read it. I don't want you to feel like you were fed sound bites or things out of context to push some uh, white supremacist agenda. I want you to go and ask yourself, God, is this you? If it's you, then I will support it. If it's not, then I won't. We are in a season that's no different than the season of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where they were told, you get in line with government orders or you're out. And I don't think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were just three guys that, that you know, weren't very social. And, and it was just, I'm sure that, that before government policies, there was Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Bob, Jim, Tom. You know, they probably hung out with more people. And I'm sure when they stood there and, and government said, do it our way or die, bow down or die. I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to watch Jim and Tom and Bob bow down. And I'm sure they had to ask, do we have it wrong? Jim, he's over there and he's bowing. Tom's over there and he's bowing. Do we have it wrong or not? But praise God for the conviction of the Holy Ghost to stand. Stand. We have this in our, our, our heritage as believers, not just for good reading, but God is instructing us. There are days when you will be put in a position to either compromise or die. And son, I will be there for you. Daughter, I will be there for you. You do not have to compromise. I want to stand. I want to do what I've been called to do, what I've been chosen to do, what I've been equipped to do. I want to reveal the moral excellence of God. I don't want to kiss the ring of the LGBTQ agenda. I don't want to kiss the ring of Karl Marx. I do not want to watch America's freedoms erode into nothing as we're putting the bondage and the chains of, capital, of, of, of communism and socialism. I want America to thrive in its freedom. It's going to require a people who are awake, 
The point of today is to ask God for that. Father, will you awaken us? Will you awaken us and lead us into our calling to reveal your moral excellence? I want to pray for us this morning and we'll dismiss. Father, I bless your name. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this country. I repent for what is going on, the the rejection of all of your counsel and your word. The tearing down of, of statues of men who followed after you. If you could oversee, overlook, and wash away their flaws, then let us be the same. And we repent for the defacing of the statues of Jesus Christ, identifying Him as white supremacy. We repent for all the foolishness and all of the nonsense, and we come and we ask for help. We submit a request. Will you please open our eyes, awaken us to what's going on, Let us be sensitive to the spirit of truth stirring inside of us. That discernment would arise. The distinguishing of spirits that when we look upon a situation or a circumstance, let us be quickened to know whether it's the truth or whether it's a lie. And let us hold fast to all things that are true. And let us reject and refuse to compromise and bow down to anything that's a lie. Open our eyes to see what's right. And let the courage and the strengths of of your moral excellence abide in us to do what's right. We bless your name and we thank you. And as we receive your impartation of moral excellence into our lives, let us fulfill our chosen call to go and reveal your moral excellence in all of our words and in all of our actions, our attitudes, our thoughts, in every aspect of our living. Be glorified through our lives. We bless you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.